Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. And I'm DJ, coming over from the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel. How's it? Hello. Greetings, everyone. This is episode 404. Ah! Error 404, system failure. I can't believe we made it to 404, and it's very apt because today we are talking about game enders, things that really do end the things on the spot. And uh, spoiler alert, did you see Game Nights with Post Malone? Because... He cast a game ender in that one. Totally. And so we're going to take a look at those game ending cards. But before we do. Time to talk about our sponsors. That's right. Cardkeem.com slash command zone. If you want to get a game ender for yourself, have it in your hands, put it into a sleeve and into a deck and then play it against an opponent. You're going to have to buy the card. So go to cardkeem.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. Once you type it in, you're on the website. Everything is the exact same as it would be otherwise, except you're on the beautiful website and you're supporting your favorite podcast or one of your favorite podcasts and buying the cards that you need most importantly for the decks that you want to play and destroy your opponents with, or maybe a gift for a friend. Cause maybe I'll buy you a game ender DJ. If I think that you deserve it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You can also check out Ultra Pro while you're there or at your local game store. Don't forget, supporting your local game store is just as important, especially as we come out of this pandemic and stores I know are hurting. It's a very tough business to be in. The margins are very small and your patronage to those shows is as important as your patronage to ours. And of course, speaking of patrons, you can find up at patreon.com slash command zone to find a way to support the show. And we shout out one lucky uh, viewer every single week. So this Week's episode is dedicated to, to Druv Seth. Druv, really cool name. You rock. Thanks, bud. You rock. You rock. All right, error 404. It is time for this system to <laughs> fail because the game has ended. Bum, bum, bum. Wah, 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 wah. We're crashing the system. <laughs> We're talking about some of the best ways to win card games in Magic the Gathering. But first... Let's talk about how we're going to qualify today's candidates for the best game enders in Commander. So, DJ, what is a game-ending card? Yeah, I think it's a card that covers a really wide spectrum. You say, like, well, what wins a game of Commander? And a lot of times you can just kind of point to your deck and be like, well, I don't know, just like I do my thing and Creatures attack I, I win the die. game. Yeah. yeah, but there are sometimes cards that you include that are designed to go over the top to really take over a game with a single card. And, like, we were inspired by the episode of Game Night where Posty played a rise of the dark realms. Yeah. Just and played that card. And it is this 
over-the-top insane card, nine mana, brings all the creatures back, basically. And so it's this card that, like, needs to be answered immediately. And a lot of times, it's a single card that does it. And so you can include these in your deck and know, you know, somewhere in my deck... There's a card that can just win the game if I can resolve it. Yeah, back in the early days of the podcast, we used to mention cards like Insurrection as our big Ooh. game enders. But these days, the, it's gotten a little bit tougher to make that as powerful as some of the cards we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, and I think that also, like when you're thinking about game enders, uh, a lot of the times they uh, they don't always reliably end the game. Like yes. you're talking about Insurrection, and it's like, well, there's a fail case in that in that you know card there's ready to play cases it. Someone, in all of them someone right? board wipes where are your creatures you're going to steal yeah Uh-oh. every single card that we're going to talk about today has a fail case you yeah. know there's a situation where it just doesn't actually in the game uh and these game enders can be pretty problematic in your deck because a rise of the dark realms costs nine mana yeah you don't want that in your opening hand nor in your hand the first five or six turns you saw when posty cast it he waited till the very last moment where he was like this is the final time that i need to do this and when he did it really made a big difference hopefully your game ender is at the very last moment of the game yeah because some of them went on the spot some game enters we'll talk about do take a little bit of time to grind out the opponents to win but in general if these are left untouched or uninteracted with they will render you dead and useless and they'll completely wreck you i think it's important not to oversaturate your deck with this because we mentioned eight mana nine mana you don't want too many of these effects in here but one or two could be really interesting and i think that uh having one or two not only can it have this big powerful commandery effect because Mm -hmm. that's fun right that's commander this is one of the only formats where you can play these big over-the-top game ending spells and so embrace that have those cool cards in there uh but also don't take them out if you if you like are afraid either Uh, this is a i think a big problem with a lot of newer players and myself too sometimes where i'm like well i don't want to play another crater of behemoth in my deck but guess what Magic is a game that ends when everyone else but one player dies, usually. So that means it's okay to win, and it's okay to include game enders in your deck, and it's okay to not feel bad about ending the game, because trust me, there are some games where I the, I pass the turn and go, can you end the game, please? Because I can't, and I am not having as much fun Please, someone end the game. Yeah, too. sometimes you just need games to end. Uh, and also, one thing that you can do is you can adjust your game ender to your meta. Yeah, you know, there's totally. a difference to there's a difference between some of these game enders, which are very competitive, very powerful, very high end, you know, cards, versus something that you can play in your own meta. So you can have game enders that stick to your power level. Yes, absolutely, and also match what your opponents are going to be, you know, not upset with. Because at the end of the day playing magic it's about everyone wanting to have fun and enjoying a group activity and winning shouldn't have a warping or toxic effect over that experience so if you're like mass land destruction like that you know that's not that's not how you're supposed to win games yeah uh, so also, that's why make people unhappy <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're going to talk about our favorite game enders give you some suggestions from each of these categories and help us sort of analyze it so that you can find your own game ending cards too yep absolutely and of course there's gonna be tons of exceptions along the way but don't worry about those let's just worry about the ones that we talk about and have some fun with it because we're going to be ending the game on episode 404. Let's go. Let's kill some people. Let's kill some people. The first way uh, we've categorized this as powerful and popular. 
Yeah, game enders uh, can sometimes be really popular, really ubiquitous. You see them in a lot of commander decks. You just mentioned Crater of Behemoth. It's has killed more people than a lot of other big pigs around. Oh, yeah. Um, so just as an example, I think we've chosen the card expropriate. Yep. We talk about this card quite a bit on the show, and it's I think it's got like a 98% win rate whenever I've seen it cast <laughs> in the game. Almost always casting this leads to the end of the game, uh, unless it's countered, of course. Expropriate is seven blue blue for a sorcery, and it says Council's Dilemma on it. Starting with you, the player that's casting it, each player votes for time or money. And at the end of it, you count it up. How many people voted time? How many people voted money? For each time vote, take an extra turn after this one. For each money vote, choose a permanent owned by the voter and gain control of it, and then you exile Expropriate. So this card is a house. It will often give you minimum at least one turn because you're, you'll be choosing time. And then past that, you'll be taking permanents from other people. And with those extra turns and the permanents you steal, this should be enough for you to take over the game, knock people out, and just establish such a strong control that no one's going to come back and be able to beat you. Yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot about uh, gaining resource advantage, like, you know, multiple cards for the one card that you spend, mm-hmm. and also the time in order to utilize those. Uh, remember that stealing something from an opponent is is better than you think because you are denying them the resource and giving it to you. So stealing something from an opponent is automatically a two for one. And when you have a two for one for three opponents, that's a six for one and you get the extra turn to use that stuff. So that's why expropriate is so powerful. It's it's a six for one that gives you the time to be able to use it. Nine mana is a lot, but a lot of times you're gaining way more than nine mana worth of value. You know, immediately subtract, you know, five mana for that extra turn. And then you think of all the things that you're stealing and you realize that you can you also are, untap and use all your mana again. So even if you tap out for expropriate, you got that turn minimum because you can always vote for time yourself. Yeah. By the way, never vote for time if you are not the person casting expropriate because getting more turns is... What if you want the game to end, Jimmy? Oh, gosh. Then give them all the time in the world and just be like, all right, cool. Here's the stuff. You know how I'm going to block. I'm out of here. I'm going to go get a drink. (laughs) All right, Jimmy. So what is your... That's our example of expropriate, breaking it down, finding out why expropriate is so powerful. Jimmy, what's your powerful and popular game ender? Mine is one that is actually quite... uh, It's getting a little bit up there in price because I think people are realizing just how good it is. And it actually has the kind of a word for end in it. It's Finale of Devastation. Yeah, over $30. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's up there. And, you know, this card is amazing because it has a lot tacked onto it. So it's X green green for a sorcery. You switch your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If X is 10 or more, so now you're feeding 12 mana into this thing, creatures you control get plus X plus X and gain haste until end of turn. That just wins the game, right? Yeah, it should win the game. Now, obviously, you need some creatures out on the battlefield, but they're going to get minimum plus 10 plus 10 if you're paying X into this is 10 (laughs) or more. And the best part about this is that you get to search your library and or your graveyard for a creature card, and you're tutoring it onto the battlefield. So a lot of times, you know, if you're only looking for your library, it's a bit tougher. What if they got rid of your game in or you had to discard it to a wheel? Now, Finale of Devastation says, hey, look everywhere. This is also a shuffle effect, by the way, because you could pay just green, green for this and shuffle your deck because <laughs> you can look through your library and your graveyard. But really, this is a cool game, Andrew. I just love big spells that give your creatures tons of power and in this case, also haste and blammo. When they strike in for that alpha strike, your opponents will be looking for uh, their next deck to play. You know, one thing that's good about this card is that a lot of the game enders that we're talking about, they're like, they win the game or they rot in your hand or they do nothing. Right. Jimmy's game ender actually is pretty useful just by casting it to get a utility creature or something like that. Yeah, you like could that. cast it for f- X 
is equal to five and just get a sick five drop out of your graveyard or deck yeah, too. So, so like the flexibility on this is on this game ender is crazy. It means they can go in a ton of different decks. Yeah. And now that we're talking about also just crashing in with a ton of power and killing people, we wanted to give a quick shout out to another powerful and popular game ender for uh, for Craig Blanchett, which is Triumph of the Hordes. Gives everything plus two, plus two trample, and of course, infect. Yeah. Um, actually, like in similar theme, like the newest cards from Strixhaven, I've kind of wanted Surge to Victory. I haven't done it yet, but oh, I want yeah. that to be a game ender, uh, the similar to some of these like anthem effects where you give your creatures a big boost and try to get a bunch yeah. of Yeah. So, so you, I'm hoping that that'll Surge to Victory, you're exiling an instant or sorcery, and then our creatures get plus X, where that card is that mana value. And then if they deal combat damage, you can play the casted, the exiled card. So <laughs> you can just cast something over and over and over I'm again. I'm hoping that's my, that's my. <laughs> that's cool under. i like but, that but here's the thing like those those aren't that's not popular yet yet it yet. will be popular oh okay. agree. Call, but let's talk about another shots. really popular uh effect that is uh pretty powerful it's torment of Hailfire. uh classic yeah uh, x black black for sorcery repeat the following process x times each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices an online permanent or discards a card okay so if you put enough mana into this your opponents just don't have enough resources enough cards or permanents and they just keep taking three damage and they die yeah, or they sacrifice so many of their non-land permanents and discards their entire hand that they may be at a li high life total, but their board is completely decimated and the Hailfire has just taken apart everything that they have in front of them. Yeah, so this is a thing where, you know, Jimmy's had a use case uh, for five mana, he said. The use case for Torment of Hailfire is not great at like five mana because yeah. then people could just very easily be like, all right, I take nine. Uh, and you've done nine damage, but you haven't gotten that that game-ending two-for-one value. You yeah. need to reach the level where you're g getting resources out of their hand, getting things off the battlefield, or just killing them for this to actually be a game-ender. So a yeah. lot of these, we're seeing that a lot of these effects cost a lot of mana to be able to pull off. Yeah, it costs a lot of mana, but once you pass that certain threshold, I think if X is equal to six or seven, you're getting to the point where, depending on where you're at in the game, people will just not be able to keep up. So this is a game-ender that doesn't necessarily win on the spot, but a lot of times will make everyone's board so weakened to the state where you are just able to, you know, on your next turns, take over. Yeah, I think ideally you win on the spot if you pump enough mana into this. Totally. But I think that if you just don't quite get there, you still might actually get there by the two-for-one value. And the nice thing about Tormund of Hailfire is it's in black and mono black, and black has a lot of ways to double their mana, so getting up to that big critical mass of mana to cast this is pretty easy. All right, let's talk about our next category, which is over-the-top advantage. You know? uh -huh. So we are already talking about, we're seeing a theme going on here where you need like five for ones and six for ones. Those are the ones that are really generating a lot of a lot of winning potential. Mm -hmm. um, also, things that have a big, big effect. So usually they cost a lot of mana, you know? Yeah. Or they have an effect that's bigger than the mana that you put into it. Yeah. Um, so if we look at some effects that are, that are sort of over-the-top card advantage, over-the-top mana advantage, we can hopefully get some of that power level out of that. I think that one of the best examples has got to be Bolus of Citadel. Yeah, so this is a relatively new card. It is one that has a lot of text on it, but every single line of text allows you to get that over the top. Holy moly, look at what this player just did. Three black, black, black for a legendary artifact. You can look at the top card of your library at any time, but more importantly, you can play the top card of your library, and if you cast a spell this way, you instead of paying the mana cost, you pay life equal to its mana value rather than the mana cost. So that's incredible you can essentially for as much life as you have cast things off the top of your library over and over and over again sometimes playing lands as well 
And you can play, what, five, six, seven cards off of Bolasasil on the turn that it lands because you can spend the mana for it and then get that over-the-top advantage by just casting things over and over again. And just finally... Life. Yeah, life is a resource. Use it. Yeah, you can tap the Citadel to sacrifice 10 non-land permanents and each opponent loses 10 life. So that could be the finisher that you need as well after you dump all this stuff onto the table. Bolasasil being an artifact, you can tap at the same turn it comes in, drain everyone for 10, and blammo. Yeah, playing cards off the top of your library is card advantage. You are It's like you're drawing those cards and then playing mm -hmm. them. So that is, those are the extra cards that you're getting. Being able to use your life as a resource instead of mana is cheating mana. So extra cards, extra mana, and a way to deal damage to close yeah. it out maybe. like That's over-the-top advantage for sure. That's over-the-top advantage for sure. Not to mention Bolas' Citadel combos extremely well with Sensei's Divining Top because it's a one-mana artifact that you can tap to draw a card and put the top on top of your library. If you have both those out, you're paying one life to literally draw every single card in your deck until you don't want to draw anymore or don't have enough life. All right, Jimmy, you want to hear my over-the-top uh, card that gives me tons of advantage? I love it. It's Villainous Wealth. Ah, yes. X, black, green, blue for a sorcery. Target opponent exiles the top X cards of their library. You may cast any number of spells with converted mana cost X or less from among them without paying their mana cost. Yowza. So <laughs> this is so powerful. You get every single spell and oftentimes if the opponent's deck has a lot of big hitters in there, you are casting all of them. Yeah, I think uh, you needed to sink a lot of mana in this so it's like X is seven. You're casting Minimum for seven, 10. I think. Yeah. yeah, you're going seven cards deep. Hopefully you're not hitting that many lands. You're hitting big spells and casting them over and over again. If you hit, you you know, four or five spells in there, get to cast all of them. Suddenly you're seeing a man advantage and certainly card advantage. Yeah. Uh, I think that if you're looking for something a little bit more powerful, a little bit more reliable, Genesis wave is probably um, a little bit. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. You, you know what deck you're doing. Yeah. Cause you're deck. doing it to your own deck. And so, and just the per you get the lands too. Cause the lands come on the battlefield with Genesis wave, but villainous wealth. There's just something so satisfying about stealing your opponent's things. I mean, post Malone literally said that, that there's nothing better than killing someone else with their own stuff there you go i agree just said i mean i play marchesa <laughs> for that exact same reason it is really satisfying and in a lot of ways you know it's the same with bribery right how can they complain you they, you use their awesome spells at least they got to see those spells get used and that's yeah. that's a fun time for me so villainous wealth every time i've seen that thing get cast quite often it just you're just overwhelming how much happens and then the opponent that Cassic can use those cards on everyone at the table. Here's the key, though. You can't immediately kill the person that you stole all that stuff from. No, because if you do, you lose it. I know. So you basically, you villainous wealth someone, Jimmy, that he feels horrible because I told, stole all of his stuff. But Where? then he has to sit back and watch as I kill the other two players with it and then finally turn them on him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My favorite over-the-top advantage is one that I, you know, I include in a lot of my Spells Matters decks because I still want to cast it and win the game like Josh did in the game nights one time. It's Mizix's Mastery. Three and red for a sorcery. Now, just on its face, it says exile target card that's an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. And for each card exiled this way, I can copy it and cast the copy without paying its mana cost. And then you exile Mizix's Mastery. However, you can overload this spell for eight mana. And that means every single instant or sorcery from your graveyard gets exiled and you can cast them all again. You saw how Josh took this to a huge win in his Prismari deck on the Strixhaven episode. This all a huge win, a huge win, yeah. Well, kind of. He killed me, that's for sure, and then and then and cheated then, maybe, and then and then flew too close to the sun. Yeah, he flew a little too close to the sun. Look, in my book, he won that game <laughs> yeah, because my, he was able to get rid of all that stuff and cast it all and have a glorious turn. And that's what Mystics Mastery oh, does. It is it's, so fun. It's over the top like it that. It really is. Yeah. And overload, right? The, the the terminology is right there. It's perfect for it. This card has also made a huge splash in historic, just because. Mm. 
by itself, and this if you look at this as similar to Finale of Devastation, it's good at three and red, and it's really good at five and three red. So you can use it in two different use cases, but so it does never it never just looks dead in your hand because you may need to cast it for four and get a cool spell out of your library early or your graveyard earlier. And then later on, when you're able to do five different things, maybe you're in a storm deck, you're able to just create so much value. The mastery of Mizzix. Yeah, you definitely need enough spells for this to work, but totally. I love that there's like two uses for it. Yeah. Um, and overloading is so much fun. Yep. Um, and of course, we have to give a special shout out to uh, the over-the-top advantage that everyone has seen recently on Game Nights. Hopefully, if you haven't seen the episode, spoiler alert, but you should go watch it. Post Malone loves Rise of the Dark Realms. He talks about it as early as turn, I think, four or five when Josh wheels it out of his hand. And my goodness, this card is... Even though I was out of the game, so my, my graveyard wasn't there, you did the calculations. I did. I counted it up. So if you see, Jimmy was gone, and Ashlyn only had a single creature in her graveyard. Okay. Still, Rise of the Dark Realm got 13 cards of advantage and 52 mana wow. on Posty's side of the battlefield. Wow. So that is, for 9 mana to 52, that... That's like a that's like a six x pretty much. That's it's crazy, nuts. and and we're seeing that that's how we are evaluating a lot of these cards to see yeah. how powerful a game ender they can be. Is well, how many cards of advantage do we get, and how much mana of, of advantage that we can get, and we can see that you know when you go to these great lengths of getting like fifty two mana worth of value, like it's gonna end the game. Yeah, uh, not only that, but it also gave him all of these different options to end the game. And he kind of had to piece it together, which was really fun too, making all these god sires and using Brutaclad to turn them all into god sires uh, tokens and then smacking with that. That is really sweet. Like, I love that. Um, another similar card that we've talked about before on the show quite a bit is Command the Dread Horde. Mm -hmm. And you're paying life to cast all sorts of different things out of the graveyard. But sometimes you're going to die because you can't... Right? If you do 52 mana value, you're going to die. For yeah, you can't. It's hard to do 52 mana value. But one thing that's good is they Command the Dread Horde because it's six. So you yeah, can six, use yeah. it a little bit more flexibly. Also, it's 99 cents. Yeah. Know, so great card, uh, by the we're way. We're going to talk I, about budget a little bit later, but a lot of these game enders, they're super fun and powerful cards. So people buy them and play them. So sometimes they're expensive. Yeah. So uh, take a look at that. Not to mention, uh, if you play Rise of the Dark Realms, you can say that you're as cool as Post Malone. Okay. I don't, I don't think that's. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I play Rise of the Dark Realms. I know I'm not as yeah. cool as Post Malone. <laughs> All right, two more face tattoos, a couple of Grammy <laughs> nominations, and you'll make it. I need a Grammy nomination, a Super Bowl commercial, and then I'll be cool. Yeah, if yeah. I get a Grammy nomination, I will get a face tattoo. I'm saying it now. I'm never going to get a Grammy nomination, so I never have to worry about that. Okay. My new goal in life is to, to get give me a Grammy nomination. <laughs> I'm just like, why did who applied on behalf <laughs> of me? What? what? Who, who compiled all of these songs at the beginning of a podcast together? <laughs> no! <laughs> no, don't curse me, DJ. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about one more category before we take a mid-roll break here, and that is stacks. And uh, actually, know what? There actually is no best way to win the game with a stacks deck. That's my opinion about it. It's misery. It's torment. It's pain. And uh, I think when you are up against someone trying to win with stacks and grind you out slowly and make you hate everything, just say you concede. Agree that you got so crushed by that sax player. They were so cool the way they played that. And then move on with uh, your lives. So a lot of times stacks decks, you need a lot of little pieces in order to tax your opponents. And so it doesn't really fit the criteria of like a game ending card. Right. But in doing research for this, we found out that there are some sort of like things that, that severely limit your opponent's resources that do kind of win the game, like Cataclysm. Ah. Ah, you know, yes. four mana for a sorcery. Each player chooses from among the permanents they control an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a land and sacrifices the rest. Let's say you have one Eldrazi with an Annihilator, and then you cast this card. 
Yeah. So there are cards out there that severely limit what your opponents do. They have this taxation, the stacks effect yeah. to it. Mass um, land destruction, right? Like I've I've lost games to a very good deck where it's like, all right, now that I have one Eldrazi with Annihilator and I cast a land ML uh, a board wipe plus MLD and my Eldrazi stays alive because it's indestructible or whatever. Sorry, goodbye. We don't have a favorite in this category. No, there are no favorites because you shouldn't have a favorite either. Don't play stacks. It's awful. You know, unless you're play that play stacks against a, against a uh, board or a group of people, a meta game that appreciates it, knows how to handle it. Because yes, when yes. someone comes, when someone comes with stacks pieces and you're realizing that like, Oh, I can't play my deck. It feels bad. But if someone is playing, you know, stacks across the table from you and you have your own stacks pieces and you have ways to interact with them and like, and you're stuff ready like that, for it. You're yeah. Ready and you're ready for it. Then, then it definitely becomes like a higher level thinking of magic. And that's like a very fun. It's a very fun way to play it, but not everyone enjoys it. Jimmy, yeah. Don't, Jimmy don't enjoy it. Here. Okay. All right. That's going to do it for the first half of this episode. Uh, some interesting game enters so far. We're going to dive a little deeper, though. Literally, in this first category, we're going into the ocean for it. And we're talking about infinite combos as well as creatures that just take over the game. So we'll be right back after a message from our mineral sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well. Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. Hello, friends. We have returned. We're talking about our favorite game enders on this very special episode 404, Critical Error Failure of an episode of the Command Zone podcast. And uh, let's get right into it. Yeah, if you're talking about cards that win the game, these game-ended cards, you should probably look at some cards that just say, win, you win, win the, the game. game. Literally. The, this, on them. That text has been printed on plenty of cards, and turns out some of them are actually very popular and very powerful in competitive formats. Yeah, let's talk about um, the sort of example card for from this, and that's Thassa's Oracle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just sees play in tons of different formats, and we know it's really powerful. It's blue-blue uh, for a 1-3 creature merfolk wizard. When Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up Put up to one of them on the on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Here's the important part. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. Right. So, Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, Laboratory Maniac, these all care about having basically almost no cards or no cards in your library and you're winning the game that way. Thassa's Oracle is very similar. This is really cheap to play, right? Blue, blue, you can get it out. Blue is a very powerful color in competitive formats. 
And this is just going to win the game for you because a lot of times you find a way to tainted pack your entire deck out of there. And Leveler, then you thoss Oracle, you know. Blammo, no cards in the library. X is definitely Inverter more than truth. that. You All sorts of stuff. Yeah, totally. The reason why this is our example is because it is proven itself it is everywhere in cdh everywhere in edh people play it all the time but jimmy it's not your favorite is no. It? no 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 it's not your favorite either is it no uh i can I talk think, about mine yeah go for it mine is a card that uh i'm hoping to build an entire deck around this at some oh. point it's approach of the second sun by the way you'll notice that nickel bolas has shown up quite a bit on the game enters I list know, right? <laughs> he's on the approach of the second sun Bolas is Citadel, tournament of hailfire yeah he's <laughs> he's everywhere this guy knows how to end it um six in the white for a sorcery if approach of the second sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named approach of the second sun this game you win the game Otherwise, put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, 7th from the top, and you gain 7 life. So 7 mana, 7 life, 7th from the top. I like this card a lot because it is a card that does literally nothing the first time you play it, but tells every single person <laughs> that you're going to try and win the game with it. Uh, and it creates kind of like a timer, like a little arch enemy fun thing. And I like seeing this card because if you're playing it in the right shell, you can speed that card draw up and get it back into your hand the next turn sometimes uh and i like that challenge it's like kind of like a like a fun toolbox you're like trying to like form a rubik's cube in time to win the game and so things like that that take the win the game scenario and put it on its head a little bit and makes me the player have to step through some hoops to figure it out i like that because typically i'm not a big fan of the cards that say you win the game because it's just like oh it feels cheesy it feels easy you're not earning it but with approach of the second son i feel like you're earning it Ooh, i actually like the cards that say you win the game on it ah sure. yeah like master biomancer or this oh, next yeah. one that i have this card is called revel in riches four and a black for an enchantment whenever a creature an opponent controls dies create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap sacrifice this artifact add one man of any color to your mana pool at the beginning of your upkeep if you control 10 or more treasures you win the game yay <laughs> so wow. we've seen by the way we've seen a lot of treasure generation in recent sets like yeah. it feels like there wasn't very much treasure when this was first printed in Ixalan. yeah yeah and then they're just like oh treasure is a cool mechanic and it's just been everywhere now yeah and every color has gotten access to them smothering tithe plus revelant riches Ooh. uh they're i mean tireless provisioner the new uh sort of tireless tracker card from modern horizons 2 dockside extortionist i keep talking about this card and it's so expensive i know i wish they could reprint this in every single commander set it's very good obviously and very good for red so revel in riches is like a little bit telegraphed actually a lot of bit telegraphed because everyone is literally sitting there counting up your treasures and if you have like you know all of these treasure craters you have 10 treasures people are going to go after you and try to interrupt it yep. i do like the fact that this generates value if you have no treasures on the battlefield and your opponents are just letting their creatures die or trading things away you get a couple treasures you get that mana value so it can actually help you in the mid game um, where a lot of these other game enders might just be there for the end of the game i like this card too because it's a great with board wipes anytime a creature and opponent controls dies you get a treasure token so you can wipe the board and typically it's like board wipes oh but you're down four or five mana can you replay stuff out that turn with revel and riches yeah you get all those treasures or you pass the turn and you have 10 plus and wait for it to get back to you and try and win that way yeah actually the only way that i've ever won with revel and riches is by pulling off an instant speed board wipe right before my turn ah. and then i'm gonna be like aha i have 10 treasures and there wasn't enough time for people to deal with it that's nice. I like that. So, and, and at the very minimum, even if this is just out and you find that you have to use your treasures because you're going to die otherwise, at least it's giving you treasure generation. And it's on any creature in the opponent controls. It's not non tokens. It's anytime like they die, you get one. Yeah, it's pretty nice. 
Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about our next topic of game enders. And this is the way that I originally learned how to end the game. And that is through infinite combos what school of commander were you taught at jimmy well this like, whole... <laughs> they're like the game enders that i was taught infinite combo immediately yeah well the game enders i was taught was my first commander really that i was serious about was kiki jiki and i didn't Ooh. realize that at the time but this is a card that loves to go infinite and turns out there are a lot of different ways to go infinite in commander and by infinite we mean you create a loop or a pattern that when it starts it can repeat itself it lets itself redo it over and over again and then leads to a situation where guess what you have 36 million copies of zealous conscripts and when they all swing out that's going to be more than enough to kill your opponents yeah so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about these infinite combos because there could be multiple episodes going over these infinite combos uh and honestly these aren't even game ending cards these are synergies that you can build into your deck and and combos are usually multiple cards that you can put together Mm -hmm. and so they're a little bit more complicated and harder for you to use like you can't just be like oh i'm going to take these three cards and you know find a spot in my deck uh instead it's a little bit easier to be like oh you know what i'm gonna look at my game enders understand them and include this one card or something like that because i know that if i can't end the game this way then this is one of the alternate ways of doing it which is like kiki jiki and zealous conscripts you can make as many copies of zealous conscripts as you want murderous red cap in the very early game of game nights alex kessler used that to continually re-enter the battlefield over and over again and deal damage to everyone uh mafia style gatling gun (laughs) sanguine bond and exquisite blood was sort of like the original like wow what a broken combo these two cards together two enchantments those are hard to interact with wow and it makes someone lose life and then only plant. 10 mana everyone dies godo and helm of the host gives you infinite combat steps and niv mizzet the fire mind or one of the other niv mizzets as well as ophidian eye or curiosity lets you basically do the murderous red cap thing and just beep, 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 all over the board so so many different combos that we don't really we don't really have a favorite we're not going to shout out anyone yeah. in particularly just kidding jimmy like likes kiki jiki they are hard to interact with though because there are ways to play cards like tooth and nail and when you entwine it you get two creatures out on the board and that often can be just enough for you to assemble the combo and how is an opponent going to stop that if they don't counter the original spell yeah so there you go tooth and nail feels a little bit more like a game ending card yeah even though it's actually using the combo that's sitting in your deck so yes yes that could be a that could be the basically the way that you get to your combo if it's a reliable single card that could be sort of your game ender if you have a combo somewhere in your deck we found too that you know you don't really see infinite combos on game nights very often and that's sort of a conscious decision uh, because i think i like to see decks interact and have a chance to stop something if it's happening and when something goes infinite it kind of puts like a stamp on the game that's like nope that's it whereas there are some cases where a torment of Hailfire isn't enough to knock someone out and maybe they can just pull out hail mary or they can you know ultra of dementia josh to death so there are ways to get out of that but infinite combos i think sometimes are just a little too final for hmm. me. so do you do you include infinite combos in your personal decks not really not anymore there will be some decks that accidentally go infinite you're just like i just generated so much value and oh my gosh i'm infinite so like you would you would include an infinite combo if it had like three or more cards in your deck that synergize together yeah then you're like okay going infinite but if you're just like two card combos yeah you're not, not as I'm not, not as purposely that. building them in that's for sure yeah and i think that's the power level for for our play group i have i have the same thing i do have some decks that go infinite when uh kyle hill or cassius marsh comes over i definitely pull out <laughs> my infinite my infinite combos but for the most part you know i would rather have four or five cards synergize and go almost infinite and give me a lot of card advantage because yep. that's kind of our power level yeah you need to find out the power level for your play group and you guys might be great for infinite combos crush your opponents or you might want something that's 
that's a little bit more slower, a little bit more game-ending card. Yeah, or it takes four cards to get there. And if you do, I don't think anyone's going to get angry. Like, wow, you assembled a four-card combo that got you infinite. That that took a lot. It's a lot of effort. That's a lot of hoops to jump through. Typically, if you have to jump through more than, like, two hoops to do something in Commander, it's, again, it's getting a little slow. Yeah. You like three hoops. You got to hula hoop them a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Light on fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, this final category that we have is creatures that take over a game. So these aren't instant on the spot game enders, but they're cards that have such a big impact that they're just going to grind out a game of Commander for you and win it over time. Um, yeah. We talked about Bolus of Citadel being kind of able to do that to give us enough card advantage, yeah. enough mana advantage to be able to do that. So hopefully there could be some creatures out there that can simulate that. Um, it is a lot harder, though, as you wrote in the outline really aptly, to have a creature be your win condition sometimes. And, and why is that? Because it's so vulnerable. Uh, there's so much efficient, strong creature removal that everyone is playing. It's very easy to be like, oh, that's what you're basing your whole strategy on? Kill it. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's not something that immediately does something because like immediately wins the game. It's something that gives you advantage over multiple turns because not only is it susceptible to that instant speed like kill it, it's also susceptible to board wipes, which are really ubiquitous. You see them all over the place. Yeah, you see them all over the place and people are going to be packing creature removal oftentimes above other types of removal. Uh, mm-hmm. In general, the way that games are won in Commander are creatures hitting you for damage. Uh, and so these are the types of cards that we're going to talk about that are able to sort of push through those downsides and win you the game by grinding out a little bit more advantage than everyone else and being a little oppressive on the way there. First up, as our example, we have the Scarab God. It's three blue-black for a 5-5 legendary creature god. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. Uh, Two blue-black for an activated ability. Exile target creature card from a graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. And when the Scarab God dies, return it to to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Wow, that's a lot of text. Let's look at that last line first. When the Scarab God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. This makes it an amazing commander because you're not paying commander tax and it's very hard to get rid of. You have to be exiling it for it to go back to the command zone. Otherwise, this thing is going to go back to your hand and guess what? You cast it again. Yeah, that, so that downside that you mentioned, that thing that makes all these vulnerable, yes, the Scarab God is still vulnerable to exile effects and some other things, but it's it's a little bit more resilient, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can maybe get it back again and have it still serve as that game ender. And for four mana, two a blue and a black, you're able to pull a card out of anyone's graveyard and make a token copy of it. You get the enter the battlefield effect. Oftentimes, four four is big enough. You don't necessarily like like need to have a bigger thing for it to be awesome. Oftentimes, you know? the enter the battlefield effect is big enough too. Yeah, you know, and that's sometimes what's... it's bigger. You know, you pay four mm-hmm. mana, you get a four four solemn simulacrum, and you're like, yes, please. <laughs> you know, you get a four four mold drifter, and you're like, thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, so the scarab god basically gives you card advantage because you're pulling real relevant creatures from your opponent's graveyards it gives you man advantage because sometimes that form rarely is that four mana that far off from the original casting cost and sometimes you can cheat something crazy big into play you know for just four mana and it's somewhat resilient and it drains your opponents and lets you scry find other things in your deck to either protect the scarab god or help close out that game yeah so the scarab god is it's like everything you need in one card this is just you know when people talk about pushed cards and how like this things are so much more powerful you know sarah angel used to be the best card in magic the gathering right (laughs) now look at cards like the scarab god and ask yourself wow that thing definitely has the ability to go all the way 
Okay, uh, the card that I like that takes over the game is one that, again, was one of the very first decks I built because I learned about cheating a mana cost. And it was Avacyn, Angel of Hope. It's five white, white, white for an 8-8 eight, eight legendary creature angel with flying, vigilance, and indestructible. Amazing. But also, other permanents you control have indestructible. This says no to board wipes, for the most part, across and no to regular creature removal. Only exile effects can target this sort of stuff. And I used to cheat this out all the time with Kalia of the Vast because it's an angel. And getting this out with a Kalia is almost GG for opponents sometimes. Yeah, so this, if we're talking about sort of the criteria that we're looking for, this not only gives this indestructible, but it kind of insulates the rest of your board so that you can continue pushing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so it, it bolsters everything that you already have and sort of gives that level of protection with indestructible. Yeah, and not to mention Avacyn herself can fly for eight in the air and be vigilant so it's great at blocking it's one of those cards that if left alone your entire board if you want you can swing out every turn you can block anything you want and you're you know if you're playing in the Kalia deck that Kalia is very very prime for removal so that's one of those cards that just over the course of the game again we've seen this with scarab god it is resilient to being taken out in multiple ways and just has enough power and utility to close out the game either with damage or value one thing that's interesting that you mentioned is that you liked its use case for cheating it out in mm -hmm. which case you are like cheating mana essentially right. which we uh, identified as one of the more powerful things but i think that what you're leaning for in this one is that like it really does insulate you from a lot of your opponent's interaction yeah right the moment you play one of these cards that is a able to take over a game everyone's going to look at you and go okay well we got to try and get rid of them now and avacyn is one of those cards that prevents a lot of those normal cases of people doing it it's interesting because a lot of almost every single one we talk about this being like a two for one a five for one a mm -hmm. seven for one it feels like avacyn is just like it's just like, yep, I bring the big, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Avacyn comes to the party and everyone's like, this party just got way cooler because Avacyn's here. And yeah, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, you had a specific shout out, right? Yeah, I wanted to shout out Jacob Bertram because he decided to play this for game nights on the Call Time episode. And I didn't realize just how powerful of a commander this is, but this is a thousand percent a creature that completely takes over a game of commander. Coma Cosmos Serpent is three green, green, blue, blue for a six, six legendary creature serpent. This spell can't be countered. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 3-3 three, three blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. Goodness. You can sacrifice another serpent to choose one. Tap target permanent. Its activated abilities can't be activated this turn. Or Coma Cosmo Serpent gains indestructible until end of turn. Wow. Wow. So the things that we talked about earlier, this is resilient to removal. You can't even counter this darn spell. This serpent is coming in no matter what. Each upkeep, you're getting a 3-3, three, three, so you're insulating yourself from people attacking you to try and kill you. Mm -hmm. And then, finally, your 3-3 three, three is also turned into pseudo-removal and protection for your commander. This card has everything. That's great. Three threes, uh, especially on every single upkeep, those do end up being a card. I think like mm -hmm. two three threes are a very real card in Commander. One three yeah. three, Beast Within, yeah, fine. But as soon as you're producing like multiple ones every single t time around the table, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and I just love the fact that you can tap a permanent and stop its activated abilities from being activated. So that's another way to say, hey, you might have value over there, something kind of combo -y that's going on that could stop this. No, I have the equation to stop it every single time. And so I think it's similar to Consecrated Sphinx in that when you play it, all you have to do is pass the turn once and you're probably going to get the value out of it that's going to make it worth it. In this well, case... If Sphinx had some level of protection, it would be a game ender. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because you would get so much advantage out of it that you'd be able to kill someone just from the cards you draw and this thing swinging in the air. Coma, in this case, by the time you pass the turn and you make that first Serpent, you have protection for your commander, 
And that means every single opponent has to get through the fact that you're making a free 3-3 every single turn. So that is why this card just takes over a game. And you saw, right, when Jacob was able to make multiple copies of this, just how powerful it was <laughs> and how we had... I had to find 20 so damage silly. out of nowhere to try and kill him. There was no other way of me doing it. So silly. I got a pretty similar card, actually. It's a Nezahal Primal Tide. Ooh. That's one of my favorites. It's five blue blue for a 7-7 seven, seven legendary Elder Dinosaur. Mm. Uh, this spell can't be countered. So we have some similarities there, too. Yep. Uh, you have no maximum hand size. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, draw a card. Oh, my gosh. Discard three cards. Big cost. Exile Nezahal Primal Tide. Return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, so let's unpack this dinosaur a little bit. First off, uh, this spell can't be countered. You know, same thing with Coma. There are some metas where this is critical to having your game-ending card happen. A lot of times, for a lot of these things that we've been talking about, you're sinking 10, 12, 15 mana into yep. a spell. A counter spell is just, just devastating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's huge. Um, you know, you might be interested in um, Cavern of Souls or um, Beseju Shelters All if you are worried about counterspells, but it's nice having it on these creatures right here. Um, so then Nezahal says you have no maximum hand size. That's going to be important because I plan on drawing a lot of cards. And people plan on casting non-creature spells pretty often in Commander. It just happens all the time. People cast non-creature spells, you draw that card. And so this is going to hopefully give me enough card advantage to sort of start taking over the game yeah. and attach to still a 7-7 seven, seven dinosaur. But wait, it has a level of protection too. Anyone aims anything at it, anyone tries to board wipe even, like a board wipe doesn't even hit this, you can just discard three cards and then whoop, it's gone and it comes back into play. Not to mention you're going to draw the card when they board wipe, giving you more fire to discard. Yes. Now, three cards is, is a lot. It's a mm -hmm. hefty, hefty um, sum to pay. But I'm a big fan of Nezahal, and I think that I've seen it do a lot of really good work. I like it a lot, too. I actually took it out of a deck and regretted it. Uh, people let me know in the comments, because this does have a lot of power. Let me know in the comments. This does feel a little more fair than the Coma Cosmos Serpent, but it's still very powerful, and in the right shells, will do a lot of work. Also, I like the it's uh, reprinted in about a dollar. Yeah. It's definitely one of those, it's like a, the perfect spot, I think, for commander cards. It's really fun, really big, and gets you that card advantage and can close out the game over time. So, I mean, if we're talking about game-ending creatures, uh, I think that we've hit on some of the more critical ones, but I think that we've, we've sort of missed out on one category that we definitely need to talk about and discuss, and that's sort of the Eldrazi. Ah, I yes. think that, like, across history and Commander, these Eldrazi have been the go-to big creatures to end games. And so I want to ask, kind of, well, how good are the Eldrazi? Are they the go-to creatures to end games? And why, you know, why didn't we pick them for our favorites? So Eldrazi definitely are ways to end games. A lot of them have this very specific text on it that says Annihilator and then a number after it, which means that anytime that this creature attacks, the defending player sacrifices that many permanents. Uh, this is one of those just extremely feel-bad moments because let's say you only have eight permanents on the battlefield and someone attacks you for Annihilator four, <laughs> you're getting rid of four of your things. You're just sacrificing them on the spot um, and so Eldrazi have a lot going for them they're usually typically very high mana cost and they have big power and toughness and then they have these crazy attack triggers or cast triggers that have huge impacts on the game yeah so, old school Kozilek and Ulamog uh, they are both Annihilator 4 that's a pretty big number for Annihilator they both have cast effects draw four cards or destroy a permanent you know uh, so these are really big but uh, and some of them are indestructible too. Yeah. So that level of protection wild. is, is pretty good. Uh, one thing though, is that I don't know 
if Annihilator might not be good enough? There are definitely times when someone plays an Eldrazi that everyone goes, well, I don't want to get hit by the Annihilator. And so everyone has a shared interest in getting rid of that card. And Annihilator doesn't say lose the game, right? We talked about how Torment of Hailfire, if you have enough permanence, you're not super affected by it. Annihilator can have that same effect, but it's when Annihilator gets, you get hit by Annihilator twice or more than that. And then you're really starting to feel the pain because now you're down so many permanents compared to your opponents. So that's when I think Annihilator gets really strong. But on just immediately getting hit by like Annihilator 2 isn't going to be enough to win, to, to lose most people games. And they're probably going to be at a healthy enough life total or they can just chump block. I also think that um, it depends on how how much you're cheating these because yeah. you know casting 10 11 12 damage or mana for one of these things a lot of times at that stage in the game maybe uh everyone's insulated from it everyone's kind of okay but if you find ways to cheat these into play if you sneak attack this into play and yeah. annihilate someone when they just have five things or six things then they, they are then they are out of the game for sure yeah um, so let's talk about two of the eldrazi that we like that could maybe be considered on the game ending side that don't aren't sort of like your Kozilek, your big original Eldrazi. The first one is Void Winnower. I would like, as Jimmy reads this, I'd like to have you guys think about every bad thing that he said about stacks earlier. <laughs> and, then, and then Jimmy, go ahead, read, read Void Winnower. It's a nine mana, 11, nine creature Eldrazi. Your opponents can't cast spells with even converted mana costs, including zero, so no mana crypts. And your opponents can't block creatures with even converted mana costs. You can't even. That's what people how, say about this how card. How dare you, Jimmy? Look, they can cast odd mana costs, right? That's That sounds great. You know, just not even. Obosh, Dex Rejoice. <laughs> yeah, right. So Void Winner, this is an over-the-top creature that can take over a game because it kind of stops other players from doing stuff, gives you the chance to cast any spell that you want. There are cards like Gaddic Teague that just completely shut down games for other players. And Void Winner does have that effect because technically... It is stopping your opponents from casting 50% of the spells in Magic's history because they're even Versaad. Yeah, I can see how that would be. Well, that could be game ending in certain situations. In other situations, it's like, oh, Swords to Postures. You yeah. know what I mean? Or, you know, some some other effect. Um, I'm a big fan of It That Betrays, a 12 mana, excuse me, a 12 mana 11 11 Eldrazi. It has Annihilator 2. Not the most Annihilator out there. But whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. Holy moly. That applies to any time they sacrifice something. Yeah, so I would much rather... Um, attack with it that betrays and steal two things from them putting me up on the other two opponents i'm not attacking mm, yeah rather than just having them annihilate four yeah um, that's so that's that's something that i like i also really like you oh you you crack that fetch land yes please yes please oh you're an aristocrat's deck hope you're not sacrificing <laughs> things everywhere because i'd like them too neither one of these have indestructible neither one of these have a way to dodge or uh you know get around anything else i think that that was something that we decided was critical in creatures right mm -hmm. like to, that are game enders like, some amount of protection is really some important. amount of protection to be a game ender uh so i think that these even though they are such powerful effects end up being a tier below yep absolutely i think they're on the way to being game enders um now obviously the Eldrazi that do say indestructible i think are closer to being a game ender but that's why swords and path to exile are just such powerful cards because the ability to exile something is something that very few cards protect against hexproof is not a common keyword at all yeah so i mean we're talking about game enders and what you know tier list they are essentially uh i wanted to take a look at a game ender that wizards of the coast has used over and over and over again in fact it was included in 
Commander 2019, Game Night 2019, Commander 2020, and Commander 2021. Wow. Reprinted into Oblivion. It is 19 cents. It's... Zatalpa, Primal Dawn. It's another elder dinosaur similar to what we were talking about earlier with Nezahal. But this one... It's like Wizards go to. It's six white white for a four eight legendary creature elder dinosaur with flying double strike vigilance trample indestructible. So it basically hits for eight. It will trample over. It's got vigilance. It's got indestructible. This qualifies as a game ender, I think, because of all the things we just said about you know Avison Angel of Hope has a lot of similar things to this too. Do you know what I think? So I think that the one thing about Avison is that it helps protect the rest of your board, and the rest of your board is going to help you win the game. So that definitely puts Avison over the top. That, oh, yeah. that second level of protection, but Zatalpa protects itself pretty well. It does a lot of damage. It protects you from getting attacked. It could be a, a little bit of a game ender, but I think that what separates it from a lot of other cards that we talked about are, are does it generate more, more card advantage? Yep. Like we talk about the card advantage that you gain from this effect and it doesn't. It's just it's just its own big creature. Yeah, and I think that's maybe the the reason why Wizards likes putting them in these precons is because losing to a Coma or a Scarab God or a Nezahal or an Avacyn actually feels kind of bad sometimes because it it limits. They're so good at ending the game that it limits your ability to stop them. Whereas with Zatapa, it, it's a timer. It's a clock. You know you're going to get hit for eight in the air every single time. You know how much life you have left. But it's not, you're going to get hit for eight in the air. Anything you try to do to stop it is going to get them drawing a card or they're going to keep tapping down your permanence because of their serpents they're making or they're going to get so much value off the Scarab God off the things in your graveyard, right? Those all add on the whole, like, it's protected and it generates tons of value and kills you. So I think this fits right in that nice range of, like, power level six to seven, can kill you, can end the game, but isn't oppressive in a, in a way. Yeah, and I think that uh, old commander decks, because I went through some of the old pre-constructed decks, the things the wizard says, like, hey, this is a good game ender, and uh-huh. some of them were really clunky. Like, you know, there was Stormherd existed, you know, oh, a yeah. 10 mana spell that created Pegasus's equal to your life total, this crazy game ender, like Army of the Damned or something like that. Right. Things that could win the game, but like a board wipe could just... Like mm-hmm. also just like deal with it or something like that yeah something sickness too obviously important yeah. or army of the dam to come in exactly tap, right? but like but recently we've seen some cards like the locust god was printed in a deck yeah like that is a that's for sure a game ender and really powerful i mean it's from the same cycle as the scarab god you know what i mean it has that redundancy too uh villainous wealth was printed i don't know if those decks um the pre-constructed decks can capitalize on the mana production you need to get up to villainous wealth style mana but that was reprinted we shouted out surge to victory Mm -hmm. like and that was in a pre-constructed deck so i think that wizards is sort of touching on some of these game ending type effects but maybe making them a little bit more fun yeah i think fun is the keyword here and keep in mind that the pre-cons are typically balanced against each other so a villainous wealth in a pre-con deck versus another pre-con deck oh totally fair not gonna be bad compared to that against like a kyle hill deck or even a dj deck right yeah. So I think, you know, I think when it comes to designing these cards and making them right, it can be a danger to just make too many game enders that are too powerful and just are just like when they land, you're like, ugh. 
because do you want your game when do you want your game to end we talked about it being important to have game enders yeah. to end a game but if you have these game enders that just are really difficult to deal with they come down super early like turn six or something like that that is game warping it's meta warping yeah you know why do I mean? you why do you think we don't see cards like Kozilek anymore like that card is just so brutally powerful with annihilator four and its body and if it gets cheated out mm -hmm. but we still do get cards like coma which makes me a little curious because coma it says so much on it and has so many different ways where you can't interact with it and in so many ways to shut down the game that that almost makes me wonder is this better than Kozilek? why are we seeing coma get printed still i think i might i think i might take a coma over a Kozilek. i think so effects. too i mean it, just mana cost alone i can hard cast a coma like seven zero by the way seven mana for coma that's not, not impossible. Yeah, that's that is easy to ramp into, but it's not coming down early. It's still a, an expensive card. Yeah. Overall, I think that finding your own game enders is really important. Go through mm -hmm. your commander decks, take a look and say, how am I ending this game? Don't oversaturate your deck with too many big splashy spells, but commander is the place to do these fun effects, to play with elder dinosaurs, yeah. to smash into people, to annihilate your friends. And more importantly, do it in a way that you enjoy the most, or you want to tr test out and say, hey, do I like winning games this way? Because I've cast Triumph of the Hordes a lot of times, and I'll say this now, it's not my favorite way to win the game anymore. Yeah. You know, I have actually taken Crater Hoof Behemoth out of a lot of decks because I don't want to just have that same play pattern where you play it and blammo, you win the game, you get the trample, you're in for it, and you're done. That to me says, okay, cool, you've done this enough times. Maybe it's time to look into a Scarab God type win. Yeah. Maybe you want to challenge yourself with the approach of the Second Sun. There are a lot of different ways for you to express yourself in Magic, and game ending is 100% one of those ways. I also think the one thing that you obviously have to look at is price tags for some of these. Yeah. Because we've talked about some cards here very casually that are favorites that are $25, $30 or something like that. And actually, I think if we were to take the average price of all the cards that we talked about, it's going to actually be kind of an expensive card. Yeah. Uh, just know that out there, there are game enders that are very reasonably priced. You know, I mentioned Nezahal is one of my favorites yep. and that's, you know, under two bucks. Revel and Riches isn't crazy priced either. I mean, there's, I mean, and, and like, if you think about what I did with Magda, right? Like I found a way to kill everyone with dragon damage <laughs> or altar of dementia you can find ways to mill people out right there are other ways to win the game sometimes it's not just about these big game ending cards you could be the kind of strategy that likes to grind out that attrition based game or you could be the kind of person that just wants to put a really cool creature on the board and have that carry you to victory so definitely ask yourself right are you a spells kind of person your creatures kind of person what makes you happy what makes you filled how do you want to do that photo finish as you cross the finish line and you and you the ribbon is bursting across your chest what do you want that to look like make that your game ender and i think that's gonna be a lot of surge fun. to victory yeah surge to victory <laughs> literally right that feels perfect for you dj that feels I perfect it. i love it all right uh so what we want you to tell us is what is your favorite game ending card pull your deck out get your best game ender that you're in there and leave it down in the comments because yeah. we want to read about it and also everyone else in the comments wants to see your awesome game ender and say oh ho, ho, i want to put this I want to put this card in my deck. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's like Door to Nothingness. Like that uh, That card is crazy if you can play it. <laughs> All right, of course, make sure you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you want to buy any of these cards. Pick up these singles and add a game ender to your deck as long as it's not stacks. Don't buy Decree of Annihilation. Don't even, I didn't even say that name. You don't. Yeah, yeah you, that we didn't, you didn't even mention that in the outline and, and you're here like, I am no, talking not going to say Decree of Annihilation. No. <laughs> But that's okay because you might be the only person buying it and thus cardcame.com slash command zone is your place to go. Another way to end the game is by winning it before it even starts and that's by showing up with the coolest
coolest playmat in the house with the coolest deck box and the coolest sleeves and the coolest dice because everyone's going to go, woo, snap, you're so cool, I don't even want to play because you've just won the style game. That's the game ender I'm looking for. Check out Ultra Pro product at your LGS or over at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And hey, we're on the end step, DJ, but I think we can actually do one today. We can today. actually talk about an end step. Imagine that. All right, so um, Jimmy. Uh, there is a lot of entertainment out there Indeed. in the world. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's actually really interesting when you stumble on something that is totally popular and a known thing that has multiple seasons mm-hmm. in another country. Oh, but like you've okay. never, but you've like never heard of it before. Right. Uh, so I ran into this, the show called Taskmaster. Okay. Have you heard of it before? Uh, no, the, I, I don't think so. What country is it from? It's from the UK. Okay. Uh, and the premise of the show is they get com- five comedians, you know, and these are just like goofy. By the way, these are people that you might vaguely know because you've watched some British television. Some but yeah, but, like, but, like, uh, but I, I didn't immediately know exactly who all of them are yeah but they're like just kind of funny comedians and then they have these ridiculous tasks that they have to accomplish (laughs) so so one of them could be like and there's usually like different lateral ways of thinking and stuff like that so it's just like okay so it's like uh, actually kind of gamified yeah it's definitely in like and there's some it's very arbitrary about how the points are awarded and stuff like that. Oh, but, okay. So but it's, honestly, it's silly and it's fun. Yeah. But like, for example, they'll be like, uh, you know, make the, the highest tower with just stuff in this room. Oh. You have 10 minutes. Your time starts now, <laughs> you know, uh, um, here blindfolded. Uh, you have to, uh, try these different yogurts and tell us what flavor it is. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's just so like, it really oh, does span the this, spectrum. Then. This one is baby food. <laughs> <laughs> this, this one is toothpaste. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and really it just, spans all this stuff and honestly it's just it's just really fun to see funny people in yeah. these weird quirky situations and i was just amazed that it's just like i talked to some people and they're like oh yeah it's like it's run 10 seasons like it's super <laughs> popular you know what i mean and i'm like what is this thing and by the way the thing that i really like is that you can watch whole seasons on youtube oh, it's just there perfect you know what i mean so and it's free so that means you can watch it too right after this by looking up taskmaster yeah, but before taskmaster you do that subscribe to this channel Click that notification bell. Head on over to Jumbo Commander. Subscribe to that channel. Hit that notification bell. Um, and then maybe you won't need to watch Taskmaster because your task... You just have so much content. Is, yeah, to enjoy our content first. Um, that's great. I love discovering shows like that, too. That's, that's like, fun. Or sometimes you'll come upon it on Netflix or whatever. And you're like, what is this? And yeah. you watch it, and you're like, wow, Here's this thing, is cool. You're not sure that you like the show. They have these little clips for a single task. So you can just watch a single funny task with people that you've nice. never heard of before. And you're just, like, eight minutes long, and you're like... Oh my gosh, they have to like construct a bridge that supports their weight. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like putting wheelbarrows. So yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. So and maybe you'll see a celebrity fun. name that you know or a famous British comedian that you've always wanted to uh, see in a silly Taskmaster scenario. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Thanks for that, DJ. Clean up time. Big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone. That is Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred the Socket, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Walder, Gaurav Galati, and Dan Sheehan. <gasps> Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. He does the Living Cards animation that start our show on YouTube and sometimes live behind us here on set. You can always find Jeffrey at Living Cards MTG. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much. DJ, we've had quite a lot of recording, but I think this is one of my more favorite episodes. I love talking about winning the game because who doesn't love winning? I love I love it. I love winning it in very, I love winning it in interesting ways like this. So. Interesting, fun ways. Yeah. Hopefully you can too. Talk to you all soon. We will see you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.
For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.